In 2012, Mormon Discussion Podcast was started as a way to engage critically thinking current and former Latter-day Saints in the exploration of their faith. We have explored and continue to explore topics within social issues, deep dives within Mormon history, including historical documentation, the ever-changing world of Mormon doctrine, and the pervading deception and dishonesty within LDS leadership. Sit back and buckle your seatbelt as the host of Mormon Discussion, Bill Reel, takes you on the bumpy ride that is the rabbit hole of Mormonism, doing so with a rational mind that seeks to help others navigate this perplexing and often contradictory faith, one episode at a time. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real. Grateful for the chance to be with you today. Uh, I don't think this episode will take too long. I just want to share a little piece of news that I think on its surface may seem like eh, some little story, but I think at the end of the day is really uh, very telling, especially some of the quotes that are in the article. So I titled this episode Latter-day Lattes and uh, it's coffee, coffee culture in the LDS community. This is Mormon Discussion episode 388. Folks, if you are tuning in for the first time, uh, this is a nonprofit, Mormon Discussion Incorporated, that is a conglomerate of podcasts. The original podcast is the one you're watching today, Mormon Discussion Podcast, but I would encourage you to check out other shows on this channel, such as Radio Free Mormon, Mormonism Live, Almost Awakened, uh, Emancipate Your Mind, uh, uh, Rami Umptum Ruminations, and several others as well. And don't mean to do those any injustice, but uh, to jump into the show here, um, I want to talk for just a moment about the Word of Wisdom, section 89 in the Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, section 89 uh, is uh, given to the church, I believe, in Kirtland, Ohio. Uh, Emma Smith is sort of frustrated that the brethren are chewing tobacco and spitting on the floor. She sort of considers all this disgusting. It's not a habit of men of God. And uh, Joseph Smith, uh, according to the narrative, uh, goes uh, to pray about it, essentially, and then receives the answer, which is section 89 of the DNC, that says that it is given as a word of wisdom, not by commandment, but that the saints are to abstain from certain things and to utilize certain things in certain ways, but to abstain from them in other, in other ways, such as tobacco. Uh, being good for bruises on cattle, uh, but not to be taken uh, smoked or, or chewed or that kind of thing. So the, the church implements the word of wisdom. And I was a convert back in 1996. I was 17 years old, and uh, I remember being taught the word of wisdom by uh, the missionaries. Uh, they, uh, the family, my, my wife, who I ended up marrying, my girlfriend at the time, uh, her family were Mormons. They in, uh, invited me to church, had the missionaries come over and teach me, taught me the word of wisdom, explained to me that uh, if I joined this church, I was going to have to make a promise, a promise not to use coffee, not to use tea, not to use tobacco, not to use other illegal drugs. And uh, that word of wisdom was deeply tied to my prayer experience and my uh joining the LDS Church, the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. And in my ward in Ohio, and I've spoken to other folks, Radio Free Mormon, for instance, but I've spoken to other members. If you grew up in the 1990s in the church or earlier, 
the 2000s in the church, the 2010s in the church. There would be no question about it. You would, you would have kept the word of wisdom if you were a believing, active, faithful Mormon. And nothing less than adherence to Section 89 in the church's modern interpretation of that section uh, would have been sufficient. <clears throat> you couldn't have had a temple recommend. You couldn't have gone to the temple to do things. You you had to follow the word of wisdom. It was one of the crucial pieces of Mormonism of how you signal to the rest of the Latter-day Saints and to uh, your leadership in your ward that you are a good, believing, faithful, active Latter-day Saint. And the original DNC 89 was just given as a word of wisdom, not by commandment, but uh, in an article on LDS Living, and, and I sort of understand it the same way, uh, but the history said that renewed efforts by church presidents John Taylor, Wilford Woodruff, and Lorenzo Snow moved the Latter-day Saints towards total abstinence from harmful substances. By 1900, evidence suggests that most church leaders were living the word of wisdom. A landmark event came in 1902 when President Joseph F. Smith instructed stake presidents to refuse a temple recommend to flagrant violators of the Word of Wisdom. For the first time, violation of the Word of Wisdom led to restrictions in church privileges. This trend continued under Heber J. Grant. President Grant was a fierce advocate of prohibition and a strict interpreter of the Word of Wisdom. In 1921, Observance of the Word of Wisdom became a requirement for admission to the temple. President Grant clearly taught the revelation as a commandment, not as a guideline or a suggestion. By the 1940s and the 1950s, the question was not if the Latter-day Saint would live the Word of Wisdom, but how far would they go in their zeal to follow its precepts. In 1945, Elder Joseph F. Merrill preached a fiery sermon against excessive use of meat. Elder John A. Whitstone, his wife, Leah, wrote a book on the principles of the Word of Wisdom and gave as their opinion, quote, the expectant mother who uses caffeine-containing beverages is laying the foundation for failure in the life of the unborn child, unquote. And, you know, so whether it was, uh, and again, soda was kind of one of these gray areas, and some people said, oh, we should stay away from it because it's got caffeine, and and then I would always hear, like, it's not the caffeine, it's other things like the tannic acid in coffee and tea that are the problem. And at the end of the day, the final answer usually given by somebody in the Sunday school was that we don't know why we're not supposed to take these things. The Lord has never expounded on that, but that what we are to do is not take these things because he has commanded it. And there would have been no room in the Sandusky Ward uh, in Cleveland, Ohio Stake, up in Ohio, where I came from, there would have been no room to be a faithful, active temple recommend holding Latter-day Saint and to uh, be drinking coffee, to be drinking tea, to be partaking in those substances uh, would have been unheard of. And, uh, and so I find that sort of strange um, anyway, regardless. So I, I want to get into an article came out in the Salt Lake Tribune and uh, I'll put it up here on the screen for a moment. Uh, I have an account to the Salt Lake Tribune, so I'll just throw this up for a moment just so you can see the heading, some of the text here below. Uh, but the article is why more and more young Latter-day Saints are drinking coffee. 
It says they may view a uh, view having a latte as little different than downing a Coke or Pepsi. By the way, Salt Lake Tribune, you might want to have your editor uh, switch the uh, A there in the right spot. Um, but why more and more young Latter-day Saints are drinking uh, coffee? And so that stuck out to me. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. Now I get post-Mormons, ex-Mormons, us apostates. Uh, every morning I get up, uh, I make a, I either make a pot of coffee, uh, on a, a big pot. It's like a, you know, the big coffee maker and holds like 12 cups of coffee in it or something. And I will pour about a third of that into a cup for me. And I'll drink that. I'll take the other two thirds. I'll stick it in the refrigerator next morning. And the morning after I get up, I pour myself cold coffee out of the fridge. Uh, my favorite thing to add to it is hazelnut creamer, a little bit of sweetened vanilla almond milk. And if I don't have uh, the hazelnut creamer, the other go-to I have is the blueberry cobbler creamer from Walmart, which I highly recommend to you Latter-day Saints to put into your coffee is the blueberry cobbler creamer or the hazelnut. I think it's a delicious flavor. Uh, and then some almond milk too, just so because the the creamers, the blueberry cobbler and the hazelnut have a lot of, uh, I forget what they call it, but it's the sweetener fat that isn't good for you. And it's full of that stuff. So I use the almond milk to keep me from having to add as much creamer to sweeten it up. But then I go into my office to start working on podcast stuff. And uh, I can, I mean, coffee is one of the most beautiful parts of my day. Mm, telling you. So for you Latter-day Saints out there who are drinking coffee, and it sounds like there's quite a few of you, uh, I would highly recommend. By the way, coffee, I drink coffee a little bit as a as a young person. 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, I was in a large extended family of coffee drinkers. And um, I remember one instance where I got up in the morning and had some coffee at my cousin's house. And then I just had so much energy. I went out at like seven in the morning, probably woke up the neighbors, but sat and played basketball and I was basketball hoop for, for an hour or so, just amazed at how much energy I had. But I will say this, when I joined the church, I gave all those things up because that's what you do when you're a good Latter-day Saint. You stop drinking tea. I love sweet tea. And I made a commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ to not drink it. And I gave up coffee. So I never drank coffee from the age of 17 uh, until you know a few years ago when I took it up again. Getting used to coffee again was really difficult. It was. Um, first off, the first few times you drink it, and I'll say for me, it was like the first month I went back to it. It didn't taste the way I remembered it tasting as a kid. And uh, I drank it, but I was doing it really out of resentment. Like I'm pissed at Mormonism. It's truth claims don't hold up. By the way, for the folks of you who are new and listening, uh, Mormonism's truth claims don't hold up. And you may not know that. And you're like, mm, who's this guy? Can I just suggest... Go back and watch all the episodes of Radio Free Mormon or Mormon Discussion or Mormonism Live. We will clearly explain it to you on a thousand different issues. Um, and I say a thousand literally because we've done three to four hundred episodes of about each of those, I think. And so I would encourage you to, to go watch those. You can certainly learn about all the issues that are out there. But not one single truth claim of Mormonism seems to be rested on any sort of confident data uh, every one of them is in damning trouble. But coffee, getting used to, it took me about a month 
uh, or two to get used to. I would stop at the Maverick on the way out to my job in Hurricane uh, because I didn't want my wife or my kids to know I was drinking coffee because I was sort of at that stage where I was checking out of the church, but I was still attending. And uh, my kids caught the coffee cups in the back of the car and I had to kind of come clean. But the first month or two, uh, both in terms of my body's reaction to coffee, and you coffee drinkers will know what I'm talking about, but my body's reaction to coffee took some getting used to, and the taste took some getting used to. But I was determined to get used to it because uh, Mormonism took coffee away from me for decades, and I was determined to get it back. And and get it back, I did. And uh, I got a, a Keurig at one point in my house. And the and by the way, one of the comments here is coffee was just as good to me uh, years after I quit. Uh, it wasn't for me. It took some getting used to, like I said. Uh, I learned to like the taste of coffee because cola was less healthy and I needed caffeine. By the way, this is true. Coffee is much better for you than those giant swig drinks. It's, it's even different than that. Coffee is better for you. Go read the data on people who drink coffee. And almost all of the data says that coffee is part of a positive health benefit. And uh, so there's that. Um, I, I started off with a Keurig. By the way, you folks who own a Keurig, kudos to you. What a fancy way to have your coffee made at home for you. Um, you know, it's not like it's a cold drip or something like that, but uh, what a fancy way to make it. My issue was I could never get them to work. It'd be like one out of three of those things would work and it would puncture a hole in the K cups that, like went through the bottom or it just, it just screwed up all the time. And uh, so I kept the thing for like a year was so annoyed by how many times it malfunctioned. And then I just ended up going back to just the really inexpensive, basic coffee maker. Um, every morning I have coffee. And if I don't, there is like three mornings a year, I don't get it. And on those three mornings a year, I am, I'm just not as happy. Coffee is a crucial ingredient to my happiness. And by the way, it appears to be to you Latter-day Saints too. And we're going to get to you here in just a moment. Uh, but coffee for me is delicious and so helpful to me starting my morning off really positively. Um, and so for, for uh, all of you out there, I highly encourage figuring out how to really enjoy your coffee. Uh, and I'm, I'm not a super sweet guy and I'm not a super, my dad uh, loves his coffee, plain, black, unsweetened. Um, I have a, a friend who puts butter in her coffee because she doesn't want to put a sweetener in. So she'll put some butter in and she says that gets rid of the bitter, the bitter taste. But my dad likes it black and I know people go to like Starbucks and they get the frappa latte, cappuccino, extra sweetener, two espresso shots. I'm just not that guy either, mainly because I'm a tightwad and I don't want to spend the cost, but also also because I just don't like a uh, a coffee that sweet. So in regards to this article on the Salt Lake Tribune, uh, I want to read a couple of the quotes to you from that. And then I want to share, I put this article up on Facebook today and there were several comments under the post that I thought were interesting. I'll read a few of those to you. And then I just want to share sort of some conclusion thoughts on uh, what this all means. So here's what the Salt Lake Tribune had to say. Quote, roughly a quarter 
aka 25%, one in four of you, of active U.S. Latter-day Saints said they consumed coffee, tea, or alcohol in the past six months. 25% of active, believing, I don't know if that should be thrown in there or not, but active Latter-day Saints. One in five temple recommend holders, which which requires interviews with church leaders affirming their adherence to the word of wisdom, reported consuming coffee or tea in the past six months. 25% of active Latter-day Saints and 20% of temple recommend holders. That to me was astonishing because there's no way in hell you would have found that in the in the ward in Sandusky, Ohio, uh, specifically among the Temple Recommend holding Latter-day Saints. So the article goes on. These are various parts of the article. You're welcome to pay for a subscription to the Salt Lake Tribune and be able to read the article in full. Um, another quote. Uh, Zinger, and that's the person mentioned in the article as somebody they sort of talked to who was a member and drinking it. But Zinger now drinks coffee sparingly and typically gets a chai at coffee shops, though her parents always wanted her to heed church tenants on such drinks. Zinger said times have changed. Hmm. She said people her age are more comfortable pushing boundaries and finding their own interpretations of church dogma. Ooh, if you are an LDS leader and you read the Salt Lake Tribune's article, you have got to be nervous, not nervous about tithing money going away because you've got billions and billions and then hundreds more billions of dollars. The cash isn't the problem. The problem is your ego. The problem is you need some level of worship and to the point where when you walk in a room, everybody has to stand. And Brother Stevenson, if I remember right, we walked into a room. Jonathan Streeter pointed this out, by the way, in a video. You can check that out on Thoughts on Things and Stuff on his YouTube channel. But uh, Gary Stevenson walked into the room. Nobody was standing. He pretended to not be looking, went over to a leader, gave them instruction they went and made everybody stand. And then he turned around like he was like, oh, look, everybody's standing for me, which was absolutely ridiculous. But that also points to the same problem. LDS leaders, people her age notice that times have changed. She said people her age are more comfortable pushing the boundaries and finding their own interpretations of church dogma. You are losing your influence. Continues, when my parents were my age, she said, it was definitely frowned upon. You just didn't do it. Exactly. Members of the church my age, you just didn't do it. And if you did, shame on you. By the way, where does that came from? Shame on you. What is that? There's enough shame in this world to go around. We could use a little less shame in uh, in our culture and specifically within that religion down there on uh, in the center of Salt Lake City. Um, She said, in today's generation, a lot more people are asking those questions. Hmm. 
another part of the article said the owners of Sandy's Sunset Coffee Company have witnessed that a cultural shift has been happening since they opened in 2008. The location had has been a coffee shop for 45 years, but it mostly catered to older people, said co-owner Mackenzie Norton. When her husband, Neil, bought the place after working for the previous owners, she said, he hoped to reach a younger crowd. Where do you hang out in Sandy? Norton asked. There's not a whole lot out here. And so that one of the biggest things when he took it over was teens having somewhere to go. The goal was to create a welcoming space for everybody, Norton said, but not everyone understood that. Continuing the article, another spot. When I, oh, no, I'm sorry, that's um, my thoughts here. Let me continue here, though. When I put this article up on Facebook, uh, there were lots of comments, and I just want to note some of these. Here's a few of the listeners and followers on Facebook, what they had to say. Here's one of them. What always cracked me up is the no coffee coffee shops in Provo because people want to look like they're drinking coffee. They want to be normal. Isn't that the truth? Being a Mormon is not normal. I remember being taught like you should take pride in being a peculiar person in a peculiar faith, but none of us want to be weird. And then as, and, and again, it's, it's no more weird. And in fact, Mormonism is probably less weird today than it was 20 years ago. But 20 years ago, members who were believing faithful act of Latter-day Saints adhered to the word of wisdom. And strangely, in a faith that keeps watering itself down, the members of the church aren't adhering to the leader's imposed commandments. And, and that should be noteworthy uh, to President Nelson and company. Here's another one. The cultured conditioning teaches people to lie from a young age. Again, these coffee drinkers are going into their temple interview, and when they're asked, do you obey the word of wisdom? They're answering in the affirmative. But then privately in their own private life, they're going into Starbucks and getting a triple latte, frappuccino, you know, whatever that is, and uh, not having enough cognitive dissonance to do anything about it. Why? Because times have changed. People her age are more comfortable pushing the boundaries and finding their own interpretations of church dogma. In other words, they don't trust the leaders to define Mormonism for them anymore. That is huge. So, continuing on. Um, from a young age, many of us started lying to priesthood leadership because of guilt and possible humiliation. Uh, after that, how hard is it to lie to the Berjuiz? Uh, it's really hard to tell when a good Mormon is telling the truth. Uh, here's another one. RFM is the one who initiated this, but the person is repeating RFM. They do give RFM the credit. Radio Free Mormon says, Mormonism makes liars of us all. By refusing to change and adapt, the Quorum of the Fifteen continue to make themselves more and more irrelevant, especially to younger members. Another one. Anecdotally, the folks I know who are imbibing of the alcohol, coffee, tea, are also attending the temple. They feel no need to parse the word of wisdom during the interview. I also see some garments are for Sunday temple attendance only. That seems to complement the relaxed word of wisdom standards. 
since word of wisdom and to a lesser extent garments are about group loyalty and obedience. Mm. I'm not surprised that folks want to take a unique approach to an old-fashioned patriarchal faith tradition. Another one, it's great. It's the great irony of the church. Judge others for not upholding the church standards that I think are important, but don't judge me because I pick and choose. As long as I got married in the temple and show up for church and give them money, I am a worthy member. I can't believe I'm saying this, but at least Bruce R. McConkie had conviction. Now it's just all watered down milk toast. Members who think the rules don't apply to them. I don't know what milk toast is. I've heard that cliche or that phrase uh, numerous times in my life. And by numerous, I mean 10 times. Um, but I don't know what milk toast is. It doesn't sound delicious, but it doesn't sound bad either. I think I'd like to try some milk toast. All right, next one. Uh, and this is the last one here. And then I'll share some concluding thoughts and we'll get you folks out of here. I don't know how I feel about this. On one hand, I wish people would just choose a lane. They'll drink coffee and not wear their garments half the time, but then lie at their temple recommend interview. They'll keep paying a lot of money to a proven corrupt corporation, but pick and choose which standards to uphold. How is that a good thing? It's a confusing place to be. Those of us who chose to leave the church because we were done with all the lying and hypocrisy get judged so harshly by those who stay and who lie about what they are really doing. Gross. End of quote. And it's not just coffee. You heard there in the quotes that it is garments as well. Uh, and I'll just note one of our one of our uh, Mormon celebrities is uh, is part of this. And so I'll show uh, show this here. This is Kwaku from the Midnight Mormons or Ward Radio. Sorry about that. So Ward Radio uh, co-host Kwaku L. There's an image of him not wearing his G's. Uh, he has no problem with that. There's another image of Kwaku not wearing his G's. Um, we are living in a world where Mormons don't have to be Mormon anymore. They don't have to believe the Book of Mormon is historical. They don't have to believe the Book of Abraham is the writings of Abraham written by his own hand. And it's they don't have to believe it's connected to the Egyptian papyri. They don't have to believe that Leaders uh, talk to God close enough to get things right. They don't have to drink. They don't have to uh, abstain from drinking coffee and they don't have to wear their G's. And so it really is getting to the point that I said years ago, which is that Mormonism is just becoming Methodism with a few extra books. And you're watching it happen right in front of your very eyes. And so I want to sort of uh, wrap up with a bit of a conclusion, but just note, Kwaku defends the church on his YouTube channel, and he doesn't need to wear G's, even though he's an endowed priesthood holder. By the way, Kwaku, priesthood is pretend. You couldn't, you couldn't raise your hand to the square and mute me if you wanted to. Um, you don't have any magical power. It's all pretend. And so whether you wear your garments or whether you drink coffee whether you lie to your leaders in an interview, whether you believe in the truth claims, whether you don't, it doesn't matter because it, it never mattered anyway because Mormonism isn't true. Uh, so there's that. By the way, folks, again, I, I know I'm being a, a touch snarky. Again, you're welcome to go back and listen to the five or 600 episodes of material that we've put out prior. 
and you'll clearly see that every single truth claim of Mormonism is on shaky, shaky ground. So here's what I wrote about all of this data. When I see data like this, it is mind-blowing, and it deeply points to an underlying mindset, and it's simple. Latter-day Saints have a growing feeling of their leaders being out of touch, whether it is sensing that their leaders are not honest, SEC investigation, the stuff going on right now with Tim Ballard. Check out Radio Free Mormon's episode from last night, where he shows that on the very same day that the LDS Church claimed it had never supported Tim Ballard or the Operation Underground Railroad uh, nonprofit. It, on that same day, had taken down uh, articles from its website where it was supporting Tim Ballard and the Operation Underground Railroad. Um, and so leaders of, of the church, um, there's this issue, right? There's this idea that the church is hiding something, that, which we would have to say as two apostles who have covered the world and know the history of the church and know the integrity of the first presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve from the beginning of time, there has been no attempt on the part in any way of the church leaders trying to hide anything from anybody. At the same time Elder Ballard and Elder Oaks are saying that at a uh, youth uh, fireside broadcast, the church leaders were hiding all of the unethical things they were doing with the SEC to keep the information from them. So again, whether you're a believer and you're going, mm, that Mr. Real, he's just, he's just not telling the truth. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the folks drinking coffee are already acknowledging it, that they are recognizing that their leaders aren't exactly trustworthy anymore, that they no longer feel a need to adhere to what the leaders are saying. Uh, I'll continue here. Okay, so let me read this sentence again. And it's simple. Latter-day Saints have a growing feeling of their leaders being out of touch, whether it is sensing that their leaders are not honest or that they actually don't know what's best or that they seem to these coffee drinkers as just 15 old white men spouting old white men ideas. What is an old white man idea, by the way? Is it like, the radio is good? I don't know. Uh, anybody listening to AM anymore? Like the world is passing us by, things change, stuff adapts, and the LDS church's leaders are deeply out of touch. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What does matter is that when leaders say no coffee, no coffee, keep the word of wisdom. Believers say, whatever, I'm going to do me regardless. And that, my friends, is a win and it is growing. Latter-day Saints, 20% of Temple Recommend Latter-day Saints are drinking coffee and tea in the last six months. 25% of all active Latter-day Saints have drank coffee, tea, or alcohol in the last six months. Mormon leaders, you're losing your grip. It's falling apart. People are negotiating how they will live out their religious life without feeling the shame and weight of your manipulation. And that, my friends, is a good thing. Until next time, this is Mormon Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real. You can find this podcast and all of the others at mormondiscussions.org. 
That's discussions with an S on the end. Or you can find this podcast in particular at M, standing for Mormon, M, D, D for discussion. So mdpodcast.org. Have a great day. Thank you for watching this episode of Mormon Discussion Podcast. You can support the podcast by utilizing the donate feature to the right of this video if you are viewing it on YouTube or by visiting mormondiscussionpodcast.org and clicking the donate button. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or share your favorite episode with friends and family. Such helps us to increase awareness around these issues within Mormonism and to help the next generation of truth seekers.